Recently, I had a patient come in who asked me about heart. She didn't mean the physical heart. She meant her emotional and spiritual space. We had been working with her on balancing her nutrients, and she was finding that there was still pain there, even though in many ways she was doing a lot better. She was a lot less anxious. She was sleeping better and so forth. But there was something else that she wanted. Today on Ask Dr. Gill, I want to talk about heart and what is it that we know in terms of helping heal grief and trauma and other emotional aspects of our lives. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Gil Winkleman, and today on the program, I want to be talking more about heart and um, what I mean by that is emotional and spiritual health, and it's a, a really difficult topic in some ways to talk about as a scientist because it's hard to sort of grasp and, uh, you know, put forth something, and and. I mentioned in the beginning this patient, but really I have many patients who I've, I've had this thought where they are doing better physically in so many ways, but emotionally they're still living from a place of trauma and, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, closed a closedness, uh, like they can't expand beyond a particular place. And it's interesting. I mean, it's not a it's not a high number of people that I see with this in my practice, but there is a percentage that it's almost like the trauma goes beyond just the physical. And you know, I've done neurofeedback on them. I've done nutrient balancing, I've done naturopathic uh, other people have done the same thing in some cases, and yet there's something still not quite working for them in their lives. And whether that's, you know, a traumatic, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder or something else, just a, a, a grief level, uh, you know, it, they haven't been able to move beyond whatever whatever that particular state is. And it's interesting, I, I actually received a call from a, another provider this week, last week actually, and it was about someone who had survived a hostage situation and they hadn't moved past it, and it was a long time ago. And pretty much everyone else in the same situation had moved past it. So what is different about that person? And what is it that we can do to help that person? What can that person do for themselves? So that's kind of what I wanted to get into today. Um, the 
sort of the, the, the question of what can we do for them, um, it's, I want to, I want to kind of, uh, put sort of brackets around that. And, and that is to say, there's nothing wrong with being stuck. And I, I try and convey that to my patients when they come in, but there's an aspect of my job that's to help the person either move past it or be okay with it. And there's no judgment about anyone who's stuck as far as, uh, you know, what I'm bringing today. So I, I, I kind of want to put that out there. And I start with that because of a couple of studies about meditation that came up that may be giving us some insight as well as be being applicable. So one of the studies, and I wish I could find the citation because I read this and I read a lot and I didn't bookmark it. Uh, so I apologize because I like to kind of put that out there. And if I find it, I'll post it on the website and maybe put it in as a comment on the website underneath this podcast. But it had to do with three groups of people who were stressed and how they dealt with stress. So they tested people beforehand. They got a, a number. And then, like I said, there's three groups. The first group, they didn't do anything with. You know, They just kind of sent them on their way. And then six weeks later, they retested them. And that group, they found very little change. So not surprising. But that's science. You want to run a control group. Uh, if possible. The second group, they taught them some breathing exercises. So it was as if they were meditating, but they were just sort of breathing. And they had a mild change. Uh, and I'll, I'll get to another study about that in just a minute, because I think there are benefits to just breathing. But it wasn't related to this stress issue, the stress response that they were testing in this particular study. The, the last group, they not only taught them breathing, but they taught them to focus on any negative sensations that they might be feeling. And specifically, it was sort of a process of not judging those sensations. So they not only were experiencing the sensations, but they were you know, asked to pay attention to those sensations and just sort of note them. And that's a very uh, Vipassana meditation style. That's a, a, a meditation, a Buddhist meditation style where you just sit and you notice your thoughts. And so you might be sitting cross-legged and at, on the floor or on a, on a cushion and you'll notice that your hips are tight and you just pay attention to that. So you don't try and change it. You just sit there being still. And that group actually did really well when they came back. Like their ability to deal with stress was greatly improved. And it, and it begs the question, it begs the question, how paying attention without judgment may actually be useful with finding heart. And this is what I told the particular patient is to pay attention to the feelings without judging them, without trying to push them away. 
And for many people with grief, I mean, it's, you know, it's, you can, you, with grief, I mean, it depends on how acute it is. You can just dive into it. And for many people, that catharsis is what they need. So that's kind of the approach for many people that they do with grief. Other people just stay busy and somehow they work through what it is, you know, as far as the grief goes. But typically dealing with the feeling and being with the feeling and being present with that is what can be helpful. So there's a couple of studies that came out related to that that I thought was interesting and wanted to share with you. One of it which has to do with migraines and one of the the best approaches for migraines may be meditation and it may be related to reducing stress uh, we're, the study wasn't quite conclusive on that uh, it was more uh, related you know more saying that it could be uh, some other factor involved. And after the break, I'm going to talk about a diff- another study around breathing and how that relates to brain changes. And we know about that. And if you've listened to this podcast, um, you know about some of the stuff I've talked about in terms of heart math and heart rate variability. But let's take a quick break so I can cough and blow my nose. And we'll be right back So stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to Ask Dr. Gill. I'm Dr. Gill Winkleman. And before we go on, I just wanted to uh, let people know if they have, if you have a question or you have a topic you want to hear on the program, please send me an email at info, I-N-F-O, at askdrgill.com. That's A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. And we can hopefully cover it. Um, you, it, part of it depends on if there's enough information for me to talk about, but I I have been getting emails and I have had topics covered, and I may just create uh, a question and answer podcast based on this. So feel free to send emails and maybe I'll put together a podcast based on that. So all right, so let's get back to the topic at hand today, and we've been talking about heart you know, more of a spiritual and emotional aspect of things. And it really does relate to the brain a lot. So this article was in the New York Times, and it was on June 1st of 2016. And it talks about yoga may be good for the brain. And I am, if you've listened to this or you know me, you know, I'm a big proponent of yoga. 
And there's a study done at UCLA uh, recently dealing with memory issues and brain function and yoga. But they did a, a yoga that's basically a, a form of meditation known as Kirtan Kriya, which is involves a mantra, which is a repetitive phrase. And also it involves some movements of the hands. So it, this was done by design because many of the people in the study couldn't do the poses properly because they were older, they weren't exercising. And it, it was, it's a simple form of, of a breathing exercise in effect. And that's why I'm bringing up the study is it's more about uh, breathing. So they basically did a series of cognitive functional tests and a brain scan taught them the program, they went and did it for 12 weeks, and then they repeated everything. And it was interesting because almost all of the people performed better, including the control group, the second time around on the thinking tests, even if they weren't doing the yoga and meditation. But the people who did the yoga and meditation also scored better in terms of mood. So they had an improved mood relative to those who just had, you know, the control group. And they also performed better in terms of spatial memory. They had better balance. They had better depth perception. They were able to recognize objects better and navigate through the world better. Now, this study was done with Alzheimer in mind. Um, but, but the amazing thing was, <clears throat> excuse me, that the researchers were surprised how much the, imp the effects of the yoga had on brain function for the meditating group. And part of it is likely related to breathing, and part of it is likely related to just focusing on what's going on in your body in that moment. So, and you, you think about it, I mean, why would sitting, meditating, and moving your hands help your balance and spatial recognition? Like, it doesn't make any sense on the surface, but that's what we're finding. So, as far as the heart goes, going back to that, in many ways, it's difficult to separate what goes on with the body, with the brain, with the heart, with the mind, with the spirit, like it's all one. And what we do for one is so, so important for what we do for the other. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a last study done about the effects of exercise on brain function. And running, for example, I, by the way, I hate running. <laughs> I used to run when I was younger. It just, I don't really like how it, my body feels afterwards. So I, I hike, I, I play golf, I do yoga. Uh, I used to play ice hockey. I don't like running. So it's sort of, it's one of those things. But for those of you who do it, that's great. Uh, I think it's great for you. And uh, there's been multiple studies done on running and cognitive function and energy and how people perform better. They feel less fatigued, even if they haven't slept very well the night before if they manage to 
you know, exercise in the morning and, and use their body and move. And part of that is about the breath and getting enough air in. And much of the research they think, you know, is pointing to the fact that in effect, you're stressing the heart. We'll call it stressing the heart, but really, you know, the heart's moving, it's pumping. And that allows for a greater oxygenation of, of neurons in the brain. And that's a lot of the aspect of it. And that may be part of the aspect in terms of meditation as well, because you are focusing on breathing and typically you're taking more breaths. So one more article that I'm going to throw out here to you, and it also from the New York Times, uh, from the well section, and it talked about meditating at stoplights. And I, I would, you know, highly, highly recommend that you, you do that. You take some breaths and uh, they're deep breaths, a count of four to eight inhale, steady, and a count of four to eight exhale, steady. And you want to get at least 100 of those every day, okay? You don't have to do them all at one stoplight. Probably not good to do that because people will be honking at you. But I think it's it's one of those things that can be really, really helpful for your health. And one of the things I warn patients is as you do this sometimes, you will have feelings arise because I think oftentimes, you know, so many people have had some form of trauma in their life, uh, whether it's from their upbringing or, you know, going through junior high school or something else that happened, you know, life happens. And oftentimes we stop breathing because we don't want to experience the, the what I'm going to use in quotes, negative uh, sensations and negative emotions. And so we don't use our breath appropriately. So when you do start breathing, sometimes those emotions will come to the surface. And the more you can just allow them to be there without judging them and without trying to push them away, the more effective this approach will be. And the last caveat is if you do begin meditating and you find yourself becoming more anxious as a result, stop. Don't meditate. You know, work with a professional, whether that's a, a, a psychotherapist or a physician you want to get help at that point because, and it's not unusual for people to necessarily have uh, more emotion or more anxiety rather come up as a result of starting to meditate. So it's it's one of those things that you you don't want to necessarily try and push through on your own because there could be something else going on. And this is where a lot of what I do in terms of treating physiology can be helpful. Uh, and, and oftentimes patients that have complained about that, once we kind of balance things out from a nutrient perspective, or we do neurofeedback and balance the brain out, that goes away. So that's why I'm saying go, go get help before you try and push through it or throw out the whole concept of the meditation. So that's all I have this week. I hope you enjoyed the program. And Next week, or in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing something a little different. So, you know, be aware of that as well. Uh, hopefully going to have some guests on the show. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I am excited about that. And I'll let you know more when I know more. So 
That's all this time. If you have a question, feel free to send me an email at info, I-N-F-O, at askdrgill.com, A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. And if you like the show, please, uh, you know, share it with your friends uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Google, uh, Google Plus, rather. That's all I have this week. Hope you guys have a great week, and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Take care.